Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. gives a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Today, Pastor J.D. begins talking about what our government's reaction may be to the uprising in Iran. Will we stick to the nuclear arms deal that President Barack Obama initiated? Will President Trump pull out of this deal? What kind of ramifications might this have on global events? Pastor J.D. will talk more about the Declaration of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel today as well. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on January 7th, 2018. I want to talk about the prophetic significance of the ongoing protests that are taking place in Iran. Doubtless, I know uh, many of you have been following this. It is uh, certainly uh, worthy of our attention, uh, if for no other reason other than it has um, the fact that it has prophetic significance. I believe there are no less than three prophetic implications as a result of the protests, and the first of which is that Iranians today and I mentioned this last week, are coming to Christ by the millions, the millions. The second and third sort of tie together because um, one of them concerns the fate of the Iran nuclear deal, and the other is concerning the urgency that these protests create for both Iran and Russia. And I'm certainly uh, referring to the prophecy specifically in Ezekiel 38 about a Russian-Iranian-led alliance of nations that launch a nuclear attack against Israel. I want to start with this Times of Israel article on Friday about how Iran is blaming Israel, who they say is being backed by the CIA in plotting uh, these protests. According to the Times, Iran directly blamed a CIA official and Israeli Mossad backing for a week of protests calling for the overthrow of the Islamic Republic. They go on to report that the Trump administration has denied having any hand in the protests and the CIA declined to comment. A senior Trump administration official on Wednesday disputed the notion that the U.S. played any role in the protests, saying it had not expected them to occur. The protests were entirely spontaneously generated, said the official, who spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss intelligence matters. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has offered vocal backing to the protesters, but 
dismissed claims of Israeli involvement as laughable earlier this week. Maybe uh, you, like me, are seeing what I'm seeing here, but uh, this is making the Islamic Republic of Iran and the regime very nervous, and for good reason. And this is why it has such prophetic implication. I suppose we shouldn't be surprised that, in addition to Iran blaming the U.S., that Russia would warn and even threaten the U.S. subsequent to calling for an emergency meeting at the U.N. Security Council to show support for Iran's anti-government protesters. This is really interesting. This took place on Friday, by the way. According to Ynet News, Russian Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei Ryabkov, if I'm pronouncing his name right, probably not, said that U.S. calls for an extraordinary meeting of the U.N. Security Council to discuss the turmoil in Iran interfere with the country's sovereignty. The deputy minister, listen to this, added that Tehran's statements that external influences fomented the protests, speaking of the U.S., were not groundless and that the United States uses any possible method to destabilize governments it dislikes. What? <laughs> what? Them are fighting words. That's, that's quite an accusation, Russia. That the United States deliberately, intentionally seeks to destabilize governments, i.e. Iran... North Korea, oh, that it doesn't like? Interesting. Well, it's important to understand that at stake here is the fate of the Iranian nuclear deal, which the protesters now potentially pose a threat to. That's what's at stake here. Times of Israel published another article about how the protests could either be a death blow or the saving grace to what they call the tottering nuke deal. Let me quote the article. Experts disagree on whether the unrest provides an opportunity to clamp down on the regime by doing away with the pact, or whether the deal is more important now than ever. The depth and breadth of popular Iranian anger have taken the West by surprise, Nowhere more so than in Washington, where the focus on Iran, since Donald Trump assumed the presidency, has been on whether he would preserve the 2015 nuclear deal. Until December 28th, which is when the protests started, this was the calculus. Listen, would Trump kill the agreement or be content with dismissing it as the worst deal in history? The deal forged between Iran and six major powers trades sanctions relief, which are killing them, for a rollback of Iran's nuclear program. Now the question is whether Trump sees the demonstrations and their repression by Tehran as an additional spur or even the last straw that would convince him to pull the United States out of the pact. 
uh, might I suggest and hesitantly predict that I believe it's the latter. Knowing Trump and his proclivity to uh, surprise (laughs) when you least expect it, it would not be unlikely that this, in fact, is what he will do. And please know that if he were to do that, it would have profound ramifications globally, even as his declaration that Jerusalem is the eternal capital of Israel have had, even now are having, and I believe will continue to have in the days and weeks ahead. So maybe the jury is out on the nuclear deal, but to me the verdict is in concerning Iranians coming to Christ by the millions. I would suggest that this isn't in spite of the Islamic Iranian regime as much as it is because of it. And I'll explain uh, more as to why I say that. First, though, let me share with you a most interesting article in this regard that's published in the uh, Christian Post. It was on Friday, and let me uh, just quote briefly. When former Iranian President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad first took power, he said he was going to declare war on Christianity, specifically the house churches across the nation, the implication being that there are house churches across the nation, and there are. There are. One of the reasons for this is that even then, in 2005 reports, uh, they were beginning to emerge that there were potentially as many as, listen to this now, several million, million converts to Christianity, and there were house churches set up inside the Revolutionary Guard. Oh! The nation's security force. You know, the ones that are supposed to be cracking down on said protesters. Ken Timmerman, president and CEO of the Foundation for Democracy in Iran, thinks that it is true, and he has personally spoken to Iranian evangelical Christian leaders, some of whom are former Muslims. You would think all of them would be, but uh, truth be known, the mosques in Iran are empty like the magnificent cathedrals and churches in England also now today sit empty, once housing thousands of Christians. What's going on? Oh, well, let me continue. The house church movement is broad-based and widespread, he noted. And though they are persecuted, (laughs) the regime has not been very successful at cracking down on them. And if house churches are indeed inside the Revolutionary Guard, think about this, it will likely affect how those people are going to respond and what kind of orders they are going to give to their troops during these protests, he said. Interesting. Those are going to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Huh. I'm in a home church with some of them. The article continues. 
My suspicion is, given that they are faithful Christians, that they are not going to be telling their troops to open fire on the protesters. And so you could have an acceleration of the protest by people acting not just out of a desire for freedom, but out of their Christian faith, Timerson said, likening the Iranian house church movement to a force multiplier without being part of a political movement. By the way, the article which I recommend you read in its entirety goes on to describe what these house churches are like. When or if they worship, they have to be really quiet or not worship at all. You'll forgive me, and please know it's not my intention in any way to deride or chide the church in America. But would to God that we, for just one day, could worship with our brothers and sisters in Iran. We would never worship the same again back here in America. Or how about this? How about we bring one of them here to worship with us? I wonder what they would say. Again, I don't mean to talk stink about the church, but maybe for myself I can say, Sometimes when I'm back there during the worship, I'm thinking, okay, I've got to remember to say this. I've got to remember to emphasize that point. I'm thinking about my teaching instead of worshiping. I'm just talking about myself. Okay. I wonder if I had the privilege of an Iranian brother and sister sitting in Christ sitting next to me during worship. What would that be like? What would that be like? Would they be singing at the top of their lungs? I think they would. That's if they could. Probably be weeping. We can sing freely. You have the words on the screen. Messianic Jewish scholar and host of the Line of Fire, Michael Brown, wrote earlier this week that he believes that massive conversions of Muslims to Christianity is one of the best-kept secrets in the world, something he believes is playing a vital role in the rising discontent. Brown's sources have reportedly told him that it is only a matter of time before the number of those conversions reaches a critical mass and allows these new believers to emerge from the underground into the public eye. By the way... It's not just Iran, it's all over the world, particularly in the Muslim world and in the Middle East. People are coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ by the multitudes, and I mean the multitudes. I'm hoping you'll kindly allow me to share with you some very encouraging statistics that I happened upon this last week. In the year 1900, Korea had not one Protestant church, not one, 1900. Today, there are over 7,000 churches in just the city of Seoul, South Korea. 7,000. At the end of the 19th century, the southern portion of Africa was only 3% Christian. 3%. Today, 63%. 
of the population is Christian, while membership in the churches in Africa is increasing by, get this number, 34,000 people per day, per day. What's the population of Kaneohe proper? 40,000, shall we say? Every day, a town the size of Kaneohe comes to Christ in Africa, in Africa. In India, 14 million of the 140 million members of the untouchable caste, if you're familiar with these, these are considered to be less than humans, the caste society in in, uh, India. 14 million of 140 million, 10%, have become Christians. Is the population, let's say, of Oahu, let's just call it a million, not counting the tourists that are here on any given day. That's 14 islands of Oahu are Christians in India. In India, More people in the Islamic world have come to Christ in the last 25 years than in the entire history of Christian missions. In Islamic Indonesia... Uh, I saw uh, Alex and Lily uh, here today from Indonesia. Uh, Lily's uh, brother-in-law pastors a, a blessed and prosperous uh, uh, church there uh, in Indonesia, in the heart of Islam. Indonesia, by the way, the largest Islamic country in the world. Did you know that? Listen to this. The percentage of Christians in Indonesia, Islamic Indonesia, is now so high, around 15%, that the Muslim government will no longer print statistics. (laughs) It gets better. In China, how about China? It is estimated that there are now more self-avowed disciples of Jesus than members of the Communist Party. Hey, Um, Listen, please don't look at me and go, wow, this is amazing. You can find these statistics. You can go online and find these statistics and many more like them that I know, like me, will really encourage your heart. China, listen. Even the most conservative estimates suggest that China will soon have more Christians than any other country in the world. Uh, Jim and Bonnie Melton, uh, part of our fellowship, spent over 30 years as missionaries in China. I had him share one time years ago about what God's doing in China. Can't even imagine. <laughs> it's estimated that across the globe, followers of Jesus are increasing. And I want you to try to get your mind around this number because sometimes these numbers can be mind-numbing, okay? This is globally now, okay? Followers of Jesus are increasing by more than 80,000, 80,000 per day. Let's put that into perspective, okay? Kaneohe, 40,000, let's say. That's two per day. Two Kaneohe town population salvation. 80,000 per day. By the end of the day today, tonight, 
around the world, 80,000 people will have gotten saved. And lastly, it's believed that there's an estimated 510 new churches, churches planted every day. At the end of the day today, there's going to be 510 new churches that will have been planted. The Apostle Peter in his second epistle, chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, if you'll just give me a little more time here. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Why? Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Think about this. Every day that it seems that the Lord will delay in his coming, 80,000 more people are going to be added to the kingdom. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Now listen. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, question, what kind of people ought you to be? Answer, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. So here we are, the first day, the first Sunday, our first prophecy update of the new year in 2018. And this year marks 12 years since we started doing these weekly prophecy updates. It was in 2006 that I remember very clearly, almost as if it was yesterday, that the Lord was really impressing upon my heart to start teaching about the end times and Bible prophecy because we were entering a time that was the likes of which we had never seen before nor would ever see again in human history, and that was 12 years ago. Now, why do I share that? Because the reason we do these weekly updates and the reason we will continue to do these weekly updates, like I always get a kick out of particularly our online members saying, please don't stop doing the updates. I don't know where they're getting, I don't know where you're getting that. <laughs> I have no intention of stopping. The only time I'm going to stop is when the trumpet sounds. And when that happens, we, we, one of these prophecy updates is going to be the last prophecy update. I'm just, uh, you know, letting you know one, one of these updates. You say, uh, well, it's going to be, we won't have a prophecy update next week because we won't be here next week. Why? Because like Enoch in Genesis, who walked with God, he was no more <laughs> because God took him. Are you ready? If not, you need to be ready because our redemption draws nigh. 
This is what Jesus said about seeing these prophecies begin to come to pass in Luke chapter 21, verse 28. This verse speaks directly to the heart of the prophecy update that Pastor J.D. shares each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth. The goal for each prophecy update is twofold. First, to equip you with information you need to live in these exciting last days. Second, to encourage you in your faith in the Creator of the universe. Every word in the Holy Bible is 100% true. We're seeing that fact being proven each and every day. We pray that you have been both blessed and challenged by today's prophecy update. And we do hope you join us again for tomorrow's conclusion to this prophecy update from Pastor J.D. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast, you can become a Facebook friend with us by logging on to www.inspiritandtruthradio.com. We've provided a link to our Facebook page. Another great option to stay current with Pastor J.D.'s prophecy updates is to subscribe to the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update YouTube channel. The Prophecy Update YouTube channel has all the current updates that Pastor J.D. has shared as well as an archive of past updates. Again, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and follow the link to the Prophecy Update YouTube channel. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Please join us tomorrow as Pastor J.D. concludes this Prophecy Update. That's next time on In Spirit and Truth.